Welcome to the Chalkboard, my fellow football nerds, for episode number 81 of Chalk Talk, brought to you by The Painted Lines. I'm your host, Shane Half, and you can follow me on Twitter at halfandhalf underscore TPL. I'm joined today by the best co-host in the game. You've heard him on the Tough Cover radio show. It is Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. Mark, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm good, man. This is a great way to spend your lunch break, uh, chopping it up with Shane on Chalk Talk. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I have a little bit shorter of a window, so we don't have to do the hour and a half uh, long podcast jokes that we always do. Uh, somehow I'll end up sitting here for the next two hours and my boss will come out and be like, yo, where you at, man? Uh, but yeah, I, I'm definitely pumped. Sorry we weren't able to get this out last night to the people. Um, but you know, we're on the eve of Thanksgiving. We're on the eve of a lot of football, pretty good football on, on tomorrow. Uh, so I wanted to, to hop on here and cover the rest of the league. Uh, and I'll let Shane kind of handle the Eagles stuff at the end of the pod. He does a better job on that than me anyway. Yeah, so a little bit of a strange format. We'll usually come to you guys on Tuesday night. So we're on a finite window. So we're going to jump into the rest of the league. I'll circle back at the end of the podcast and briefly touch on the Eagles. I just recorded an in-depth Eagles podcast for BGN Radio, the EPA podcast. It'll come out later today. I was on Birds of the Roundtable last night with Dibes, and we broke down Eagles as well. So if you want a more in-depth thing on the Eagles for this week, check out either of those two, but I will cover it briefly here at the end. So let's dive within, Let's dive in without further ado. Speak of the devil, there's dives in the chat mr crockpot says what's up guys hey dives glad you're here with us this afternoon we're gonna dive into the thursday night game it was the titans traveling to green bay uh, and they win 27 to 17 uh, the titans in this game had their highest point total of the season and their highest yardage total of the season they also scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter for the first time this season prior to this game they had only scored 12 fourth quarter points so far this year so don't look now but after starting 0-2, the Titans are 7-1 and with that one loss coming to the Chiefs in overtime. So the Titans are looking really good. Uh, honestly, they look better than they did last year. They look like they could maybe make some noise in the AFC. Yeah, no, I I'm always a little bit higher than consensus on the Titans, especially in the preseason, because we do this thing every single year where we all just want to get rid of the Titans. We all are like, ah, yeah, but they're not going to do this again next year. They'll, they'll regress to the mean on what they should be talent-wise. But what we find out every week and every year is that Mike Vrabel's a top-five coach in football. Mike Vrabel gets his guys ready for big games. And I, I said this before Thursday night. Um, this was a game where when I saw the line, uh, this was a really, really close spread around right around a pick'em, uh, And it ended up trending towards the Packers with some injury news. I saw the line. I loved the Titans. I absolutely loved the Titans. And then I got talked out of it. There's all these injuries. There's all these reasons that people liked the Packers. And there were, there were good reasons that people thought the Packers could keep up what they did against Dallas, against Tennessee, which has a, a similar defensive kind of scheme that they're running. And I just knew every time that the collective gambling community, the collective NFL community counts out the Titans, that's when the Titans win. That's what they do best. So right before game time, I ended up placing a, placing a bet on the Titans plus a couple points in that game. And it was easy. They kind of controlled the game. They controlled the tempo. They, they kind of got what they wanted on offense. And, you know, this was a game where Traylon Burks, Robert Woods, both stepped up at wide receiver for the Titans, which I think is probably their biggest need, probably their biggest weakness as a team, is weapons for Ryan Tannehill in the passing offense. It's almost like they traded a top-ten receiver. 
Um, but if they can get this type of production from at least one of Traylon Burks and Robert Woods, Traylon Burks, a big time Shane Half guy, um, if they can keep, if they can kind of keep growing Traylon and get Robert Woods back into the role that he was in LA, then maybe you're right. Maybe this team can make some noise. Uh, for now, though, I kind of look at them in the same tier as Baltimore. Like, I, I think they're good teams. I think they're top 10 teams in the NFL, probably top five ish teams in the AFC. But I still, even though I'm high on the Titans, I still just can't see the Titans getting to that next level. I, I still can't see the Titans with Ryan Tannehill and the lack of weapons they have getting to the Super Bowl other than a team like Kansas City or Buffalo, Miami, or Cincy. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, on, on the Packers' side, uh, Christian Watson has finally seems to be putting it together. A week and a half ago, he had zero touchdowns. Uh, now he leads all rookie pass catchers in touchdowns with five in the last two games. So uh, a little bit of chemistry developing between Watson and Aaron Rodgers, which is a little scary to see. Uh, hopefully it, it takes a break this weekend. Uh, dives us. Uh, how far away is Malik Willis from being a quality starter? Uh, I would say probably a long ways. They they did not seem to want to let him throw the ball at all when he did have to play for Tannehill. So uh, unfortunately, I think he's going to stay on the shelf. Uh, but hopefully, he might look nice next preseason. Something we yeah. look forward to watching. He looked great this preseason. So so that's kind of mm-hmm. funny that they had such little faith in him to do anything in the games he played. I don't know if that's a Malik Willis issue, if that's a the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator issue. By the way, if we're talking about the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator, he got a DUI in Green Bay after this game. So uh, maybe his judgment is to be questioned in general. But um, I, I will say uh, one more thing to, to add before we move on on Green Bay. The Christian Watson thing scares me uh, for Sunday night football, assuming that Darius Slay will be spending a good amount of time on him. There's a pretty big height difference there. Um, and we've mm-hmm. seen in the past – it's been a couple of years, but – We've seen in the past that Darius Slay has struggled uh, against bigger receivers such as Claypool, such as DK, and there have been others. So um, I'm not saying Christian Watson's going to kill us on Sunday, but I am saying probably bet his anytime touchdown prop. Yeah. Okay, let's roll on to Chicago at Atlanta. Chicago loses this game by three, 24 to 27. Uh, they did have a chance to win this game on a third and five. Justin Fields threw the ball high to David Montgomery. It goes off his hands for an interception, and they would lose the game. Uh, Cordero Patterson had a 103-yard kickoff return for a touchdown in this game. It was his ninth career kickoff uh, return touchdown. He has seven career touchdowns that are over 100 yards. Uh, no other player in the NFL has more than three. So Cordero Patterson, he can change the game. Uh, on plays like that Uh, for the Falcons uh, this is a big game of injuries Uh, Kyle Pitts leaves the game with an injury to his knee in the third quarter after that they only threw for 25 yards Justin Fields injured his shoulders in this game Uh, he 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 has his fifth straight game with a passing and rushing touchdown which ties Kyler Murray for the longest streak but I kind of feel like the Bears just need to bubble wrap him at this point like Justin Fields does not need to develop as a runner he needs to develop as a passer. So the ideal situation is that you keep losing now while Fields looks good and develops as a passer. Like it's cool. We see he can run. You've got ideas for the offense. Now I would, now I want Justin Fields to take less hits for the rest of this season and protect that shoulder. You're muted there, Mike or Mike Mark. The the shoulder definitely affected him at the end of the game. So I I don't really even have any takes on you know I've seen a little bit of. 
Justin Fields keeps getting all this credit, but the Bears keep losing. And it's like, yeah, they've given up like 49 and 40 points. And uh, and in this game, Fields got banged up. So um, I, I think Fields looks awesome. I mean, Fields is the most must-watch guy in the NFL right now. Um, and, and then for the other side, Atlanta's interesting. Um, so when Kyle Pitts went down, I, I saw a lot of tweets about it, obviously, as a fantasy guy. The funny thing is, I don't know if Kyle Pitts being out is going to change their offense that much since they didn't use him anyway. Um, and, and I'm a huge Arthur Smith guy. Like, I, I've given Arthur Smith his flowers on the show in the past. And I think Arthur Smith is a guy who can do a lot with a little. And he can make a, make a lot out of a bad situation. But sometimes he forces himself to do that. Instead of using a Drake London, using a Kyle Pitts, bringing in a Desmond Ritter, it feels like sometimes he wants to handicap himself and make it harder on himself. Um, I, I, I'm not throwing in the towel on Arthur Smith at all, and I'm not taking away any of the compliments I paid him. They've got like $87 million in dead cap. They're right there at five and six. They could win the division. But there is some Shanahan to Arthur Smith a little bit where guys get maybe get in the doghouse. Guys don't get used enough on offense. Maybe they're doing a bit too much gimmicky or trickery stuff instead of just getting the ball in the hands of your best players. Even Cordero, his touches change on a week-to-week basis so heavily. Sometimes they use him as a lead back. Sometimes they use him in the passing game. And sometimes they don't really use him at all. Um, so it, it is interesting just to kind of see the usage of the weapons in this offense and if that's going to be a thing long term or if that's going to be a thing once they get their quarterback. Uh, but for this game, Atlanta figures it out. They get a win. They're right back in the mix. They're breathing down Tampa's, Tampa's necks. And uh, it, it's going to be interesting to watch uh, if Atlanta kind of rolls with Mariota as long as they're in playoff contention. And the, the overbet that both of us had on the Falcons, it cashed this weekend, over four and a half runs. Yeah. So you love to see it. So. Yeah, that, that was one of the easier ones on the one of the easier ones on the board. I think I cashed Colts and Broncos under ten and a half this weekend as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely cashed a couple of my favorite bets from the preseason, which is nice. Lions making me sweat under seven though. We'll talk about that in just a bit. Yeah. All right. Carolina at Baltimore. Baltimore wins this game thirteen to three. It was ugly. It was 3-3 three to three midway through the fourth quarter. Uh, the Ravens looked like they might lose to the Panthers. Then Marcus Peters forced a fumble that set up a touchdown two plays later. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, big Demarcus Robinson game, had nine receptions for 128 yards. Uh, he's the only part of the offense that worked. Like Lamar Jackson's most reliable target is a guy who's been in the league for six years and has never had a 500-yard season. So that should tell you what you need to know about the Ravens offense. Uh as for the Panthers, their defense looked good. Their defense, I think, is legitimately a good unit. Brian Burns had a sack and two tackles for loss. Jeremy Chen had ten tackles. Like this could be a good offense or a good defense if they had like an offense to go with it. So, uh, silver linings for the Panthers. You want to lose these games. Your defense looks good. Go hire D'Amico Ryan's in the off season and draft a quarterback, and you're going to be fine. Yeah, Steve Wilkes, um, for whatever we want to say about him, it seems like he's done a good job getting the defense back on track there in Carolina since he's been since he's taken over as the head guy. Um, but, yeah, this was kind of one of those games where it makes you sit and think, and it's like, I know people want the Ravens to be Super Bowl contenders. Like, it seems like people want to do this Ravens top five conversation uh, all the time, and the way that they're talked about is just like, oh, yeah, they'll be there at the end. This was one of those games where you're like, do they have enough? around Lamar at all to, to help out. You mentioned the Marcus Robinson and you mentioned how crazy it is. He's been in the league for six, seven years and he's never had 500 yard season. He's never had a 500 yard season with Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. He played in the Kansas city offense and he played with Patrick Mahomes 
And now he's the best receiver that the Ravens have, a guy who couldn't get on the field on the Chiefs. Um, so definitely funny to see a, a guy like that come in and immediately produce like he's, you know, Hollywood Brown or Rashad Bateman um, just being plugged in as the number one guy in that Baltimore offense. So um, I have some serious, serious concerns uh, about Baltimore. And then, you know, the the other side of this, people are going to argue and say, oh, well, you know, they, they held them to three points. They have a great defense. Baker Mayfield so bad. He's so bad. He's irrepar- irreparably bad. Just it's offensive watching that guy play quarterback right now. So um, I, I don't give Baltimore credit for holding them to three, really. I, I guess I, a little bit, but not a lot of credit there. Yeah, they did announce that Sam Darnold is going to be the quarterback <laughs> this weekend. So time is a flat circle and nothing ever changes in Carolina. A lot of interesting QB announcements uh, within the last 24 hours. Yeah, we're going to get to one of those, too, here in a minute. So uh, let's go on to Cleveland at Buffalo. Buffalo wins 31-23. to uh, The Bills' woes continued early in this game. Josh Allen has struggled a little bit. He struggled at the start of this game. Uh, he snapped out of it to lead a scoring drive right before halftime, and it felt like it changed the momentum. Uh, this is the second – or in the second half, the Bills gained 223 yards, and they scored on every possession except their final one. So – they had 15 yards in the first quarter. They had 342 yards in the second, third, and fourth quarters put together. Uh, it felt like they got a running game going. Both Devin Singletary and James Cook each had 86 rushing yards, which is huge if they can get a run game going. Now, Cleveland has the worst run defense in the league. Uh, but if the Bills could get a running game going heading into the playoffs, that would help them tremendously uh, down the stretch. Meanwhile, the Bills, they're getting healthier. Uh, Matt Milano in his second game back from injury he recovered a fumble he had a sack Uh, Jordan Jordan Poyer returned from injury in this game so the Bills are getting healthy Uh, if they could get the run game going this could be I mean we've always thought they were good but they they could take their game to the next level uh, if they can get healthy and establish a run game yeah to me it just felt like they came into this game and they were like let's kind of game manage Josh Allen like let's make sure he's not taking any hits Let's make sure we keep that shoulder healthy. Let's make sure we keep him upright. And let's not ask him to do too much. I, I think I saw the stat was uh, 30 combined passes and runs for Josh Allen in this game, which is the least of the least of the last three years or something like that. Um, they really took the, the onus off Josh Allen in this game. And I think it's smart. And it's something they should probably do next week against Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. While you kind of have the cushion – to maybe take a loss or two in this stretch, and you're going to make the playoffs. I, I Maybe you don't win the division, but I think Buffalo's going to make the playoffs. At this point, just keep Josh Allen all right. Keep him healthy because if he goes down, you can kind of kiss your season goodbye. Um, we already obviously saw him take a couple injuries so far, so you just got to make sure that, that he's upright and healthy when it matters. Yeah. Okay, Washington at Houston. Washington wins this game 23 to 10. They are four and one in their last five games. And they now sit at six and five mark. If the season ended today, all four NFC East teams would make the playoffs, which is just kind of crazy. Um, Houston is offensive. Uh, they only had one first down in the first half as Damian Pierce struggled to get anything going. You know, the fo- not the football team, the commanders have a really good run defense Uh Pierce ended the game with 10 carries for eight yards. So uh, since week six, the Washington defense has only allowed 15.8 points per game, 276 yards per game, and they have 12 takeaways. So Washington's defense has come on strong. Uh, Taylor Heineke 
has not killed the team like Carson Wentz was prone to doing. And all of a sudden the commanders look like they could push for a wild card spot. Yeah. I mean, the commanders were my pick to make the wild card spot preseason um, and kind of felt stupid uh, in week three or four or five, whenever that was um, when Carson Wentz looked so bad. But after week one, I remember I was kind of gloating about that prediction. I came out and I was like, man, all these weapons around Wentz and you got this running game and the O-line's not as bad as you think it is. And all this stuff came crumbling down, obviously, with how terrible Wentz played. I think that they showed now. I don't think this is something where Heineke's playing like a top 10 quarterback or Heineke's playing like a top 15 quarterback. He's just managing the game. He's just playing average. He's making things happen outside of the pocket every once in a while. They have a good team. Commanders have a lot to be excited about in terms of even on the front seven of their defense, as well as the fact that you have a ton of weapons. Terry McLaurin is an absolute stud. Antonio Gibson, when they decide to actually give him the ball, is a stud. Brian Robinson's a bowling ball. Um, Jahan Dotson makes plays. Curtis Samuel's been like a top 25 fantasy receiver this year. They have a lot of places to go on offense to make a play. And But having said all of that, this game is much more about the Texans than it is about the Commanders, where felt like the commanders could have named their score in this game. They kind of let up in the second half. They didn't really drop the hammer in the way that they definitely could have. I believe that I think that I think they scored all their points going up to 24, nothing. What was the score of this game? I'm sorry. Uh, it was 23, 10. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they were up 23, nothing or 20 to nothing. And then the Houston kind of scored those 10 at the end and Washington didn't really push the ball in the second half. So to me, this says a lot less about Washington and more about Houston. What I'll ask you, and this kind of coincides with another, another game we'll talk about in just a bit, would you rather, or not would you rather, who's more likely to make the playoffs, the Washington Commanders or the New York Giants? Mm, I, I I would need to look at their schedules. I'm not sure what they look like, but They're I feel better. Twice. Yeah, I feel better about the Commanders. Me too. I think the Commanders are a better team. Obviously, <laughs> the Giants are up a game and a half. But they play twice. I think that gives Washington a chance to to kind of even that up a little bit. I think Washington's a better team. I think the, the Giants kind of – we'll talk about them in just a bit. But they were clearly The Giants also behind. get the Eagles twice, so they've got tough games. Yeah, they have a tough schedule upcoming for sure. I think they have another Dallas game, if I'm not mistaken, as well. But, yeah, they, they have a really, really tough schedule down the stretch. And Washington, it's not easy, um, but I, not as tough. So definitely something to watch for. If I had to make my bet on which of those two teams make the playoffs, it would be Washington. Yeah, I was going to pull up their schedule real quick and see what it looks like. Um, Let me see if I can find it here. Okay, so Washington has Atlanta at New York, then a bye week, and then they play New York again. I hate that when they schedule like that. Uh, then they have San Fran, Cleveland, and Dallas. They've got a pretty tough schedule. Atlanta, they should win, but then it's two games against the Giants, the 49ers, the uh, the Browns when Deshaun will be back, and Dallas. So they've got a pretty tough schedule there. Uh, the Giants' schedule's really not easy either, though. They go Cowboys, Commanders, Eagles, Commanders, Vikings, Colts, Eagles. So I would say they each have one gimme game, and then there's a lot of tough games in there. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I think you can confidently say three NFC East teams will be in the playoffs. I don't think it'll be four. Looking at how many times they play each other, I think it'll probably be three. All right. Let's go on to the New York Giants. Not Giants. The New York Jets at the New England Patriots. Mark, if I told you Mac Jones went 23 of 27 
for 247 yards and no turnovers, how many points would you think the Patriots scored? Uh, at least more than three on offense, right? Yeah. So it was Marcus Jones, not Mac Jones, who put the game away with an 84-yard <laughs> punt return for a touchdown with 26 seconds left to break the 3-3 tie as the Patriots win 10-3. Uh, Matthew Judon set a new career high in sacks in this game. Uh, he currently leads the league with 13.5 sacks for the Patriots. Meanwhile, Zach Wilson. Uh, I don't know. Mark, are you a Madden player? Do you ever play Madden? Of course, and I was actually just going to say, Matthew Judon, long time been a guy of mine on Madden, a guy I always right. take at that outside linebacker position. So uh, I, I am, I for one, am not, I'm not surprised to see the Matthew Judon breakout season. All right. Well, Zach Wilson, uh, I don't know if you do this, but so many times you like you dial up the perfect route combination, your guy's wide open, right, and you just hit the wrong button and you throw the pick six into double coverage. Zach Wilson looks like a guy that pushes the wrong button, like. It, he has no clue what he's looking at on a football field. No clue what he's doing. He had negative 9.2 EPA on the day. 9 to 22 passing for 77 yards with four sacks. He had 44 net passing yards. The Jets had 2.1 yards per play. They were 3 of 14 on third downs. And asked after the game, do you feel like you let the defense down? He just said no. And, and, and that no, that lost him his starting job. You can stick a fork in Zach Wilson. I don't care what Robert Sala does about his career not being done here. He's done. Uh, he, he will not be their quarterback again. No, he absolutely will not be. Um, the Jets had two yards in the second half of this game. Two yards. They averaged 2.77 inches per play in the second half I saw on Twitter. It's unbelievable stuff. This was true incompetence, and it was three and out every single time. I mean, it was – they, there were so many possessions in the second half of this game because neither team could get yards. And it's funny, the Patriots, you know, you look at the Jets' side and how they only scored three points, it's pretty obvious. They couldn't move the ball at all. You look at the Patriots, I thought Mac Jones played well in this game. Like, I actually thought he made some solid throws. And I guess this is kind of just becoming a – I've become like a little bit of a Mac Jones apologist, um, which is shocking to me that, that, I, that I'm taking that stance but I don't think he's been as bad as people want to make him out to be. Um, and I, he probably wasn't as good as people wanted to make him out to be last year, but I don't think he's been as bad as people want him to be this year. Uh, the Patriots moved the ball all game long. It felt like they would just, there'd be a fumble or there'd be a backbreaking penalty, or there'd be two backbreaking penalties in the row from the offensive line. And it's just, they couldn't put it together, but it almost feels like that the special teams touchdown kind of was karma or it kind of was ball don't lie a, a little bit that they that they won on a punt return at the end because the Patriots outplayed the Jets so thoroughly in this game maybe I feel that way especially because I had a big bet on Patriots minus three in this game but to me it felt like the Patriots were so much better than the Jets this entire game on both sides of the ball to me it didn't feel like the Patriots stalling was a was a product of the Jets defense being really good it was a product of the Patriots shooting themselves in the foot at all turns. Um, on the other hand, the Jets were shooting themselves in the foot and the face and the heart and the head. They just couldn't – they couldn't do anything to move the ball. And I think you're right. I don't think Zach Wilson was – Zach Wilson. I don't think Zach Wilson was benched for poor performance. I think he was benched because he lost the locker room. And he lost the locker room, especially with that no. And you saw it with Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson came out and said, 
what you're supposed to say when your offense epically fails and your defense gives you a chance to win the game. He said it was sorry, and he said there's no excuse. we got to be better than that, uh, all this stuff. If Zach Wilson just says that, he's probably starting next week. But instead, against the Bears, no accountability. Where he yeah. might have thrown for 300 yards. Uh, Mike White's going to go off on Sunday. Mike White is going to go off on Sunday. Um, it, it's funny. I wonder what the line movement – I'm actually going to check while you're talking. I am very curious to see – with the line movement on that game since they've announced Zach Wilson was out and that Mike White will be in. Yeah. Uh, you have to tell, have to tell me when you find that. Yeah, um, for sure. Okay. I'm going to move on to the next game while you pull that up. It was the Los Angeles Raiders, uh, Los Angeles Raiders, Los Angeles Rams at the new Orleans saints. Uh, unfortunately for Eagles fans and their draft aspirations, new Orleans ekes out a 27, 20 win. Andy Dalton looked good in this game. If that can be said, he was 21 to 25 for 260 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill combined for 94 yards on 21 carries. Chris Olave got behind Jalen Ramsey uh, for a touchdown in this game. So uh, I, I don't think I don't think this speaks too much on like the Saints figuring anything out so much as it just does that the Rams are toast and they know it. Uh, Cooper Cup is on IR. Matthew Stafford returned from concussion protocol and he didn't even make it the full game before he left again. Now, this is the first time that Sean McVay has lost four games in a row with the Rams and they have the Chiefs up next. So uh, the last Super Bowl champion to have a losing record the following season was the 2003 Bucks. The Rams are two losses away from that and they play the Chiefs next week. Oh, well, at least the Rams, you know, they're not playing well. It's like a disappointing season, you know. At least they'll get a top five pick uh, in Oh, uh, well, yeah, I forgot. They traded that to Detroit. Um, and then you have on the other side of the game, uh, the New Orleans Saints, Chris Olave and Jawan Johnson really taking steps forward um, to be offensive weapons. you got to think, once they're able, and since they're so bad, they're 4-7, and seven, they'll get a top-10 pick. Once they use that top-10 pick on a quarterback, oh, wait, the Saints don't have their first-down pick. Uh, yeah, this is a, a garbage game. This is a terrible game where – High first-round picks would certainly help the the futures for these teams, and they're just not coming. So uh, a, a lot of interesting kind of subplots. Like the Matthew Stafford thing is crazy. His wife is pissed uh, about the whole concussion thing, and she was going all going off on Twitter. And they're even being weird about it now. Like they won't say if it's a concussion or not. McVay gave really cryptic quotes in the post game. It was really weird how they've handled this whole Stafford thing, and even the first concussion. They handled it really weirdly and didn't say it was an outright concussion right away. And it, they, like, ruled it a concussion on, like, Wednesday at, like, three days after the game. Like, just a lot of weird stuff going on with Stafford. And concussions league-wide. We saw, like, three or four different players get concussed this week that had a concussion last week. And it's like, why are they playing? Like, what are we doing when we're pretending to take it seriously a month or two ago when Tua got hurt on national TV? But that's all it was. It was pretend. People feel bad when you see a vicious injury on national TV. So we need to make change. But when it escapes the public consciousness and it's not the top story, people stop caring because they want their football teams to win. Um, so it's disgusting. Um, hopefully that, that that's something that gets taken care of. Uh, outside of that, yeah, I mean, Sean McVay came back for this. Yeah, uh, so this feels like a house of cards. Uh, I'll circle all the way back to the reporting that the Rams offered – their 2023 or 2024 and 2025 first round picks for Brian Burns and the Panthers turned it down. That was an epically bad decision. 
Like this, the, the Rams are so bad and they're not going to be better by 2024 and 2025. Like that would have been such good things for the, for the Panthers to have. This feels like a house of cards. Like you have Sean McVay who talked about the grind coaching is, and he publicly flirted with leaving to go to a broadcasting booth last year. You have Aaron Donald who flirted with retirement. You have Matthew Stafford with a messed up arm and getting concussions. And he's on the tail end of his career. Like it feels like to me, if any of those three decide that they're done after this year, they're all just going to leave. And yeah. how bad are the Rams going to be without those three guys in, in 2024 or 2025, two, three years from now, when they have no first round picks to get talent, like that, those are going to be some, those are going to be top five picks. And the Panthers are going to look back at that as a huge, huge mistake. Yeah. I'm a really, I really like Brian Burns. So it makes the conversation tough. I really think he's going to be, you know, an elite pass rusher for years going forward. But you're right. Just on a, you know, on an asset standpoint, two first round picks from a potentially very bad team for a very long time. It's more valuable than one very good pass rusher. So I, I definitely tend to agree there. Uh, I, I also tend you said Stafford, Donald and McVay are going to all leave at the same time, right? Yeah, I think so. I think Donald and McVay definitely will. Maybe even Jalen Ramsey. You could probably throw him in that mix as well. I think Stafford will be like, oh, I'm good. You can pay me $35 million a year, and I'll, I'll play quarterback on this bad team. Um, that, that's just my my thought on that. Or maybe he tries to get traded, but I don't – he's been so bad when, when he was playing this year. I, I know that there's some injury stuff there. There's some concussion stuff there. There's some tennis elbow stuff there. But, man, it, you are just seeing league-wide kind of the eradication of – the the pocket passer and the eradication of the quarterback who can do nothing to get out of the pocket. Matthew Stafford's on that list. I mean, he's not Peyton Manning. He's not Tom Brady. He can move a little bit better than that. But I think that's a big part. It's not just the injuries. I, I think a big part of what's going on with Stafford is the lack of mobility. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And just the offensive line in front of him as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, moving on to the Detroit Lions. They travel to the Meadowlands, and they take down the Giants 31-18. to uh, The Giants had three turnovers in this game as the Lions jumped out to a 24-6 to lead. Uh, Detroit ran the ball for 160 yards and four touchdowns in this game. Jared Goff was never sacked uh, despite being blitzed 16 times. It's the third time this season that the Wink Martindale-led Giants have blitzed 15 or more times and had zero sacks in a game. And so it's going to bring the pressure. It does not get home. Um, Aiden Hutchinson, after, you know, a couple weeks ago, he got his first ever interception in any football game. He got a second interception in three games now. He also recovered a fumble. Uh, so he's playing a little bit better, or at least he's getting counting stats. Um, the Giants' run game struggled here. Saquon had 15 carries for 22 yards. And then, you know, just the death shot for the Giants is Wandell Robinson, a guy that they overdrafted, in my opinion, who struggled. He finally has a good game, and then he tears his ACL in the game. So uh, the Giants have lost two of their last three, and suddenly their hopes of winning the division are waning as Dallas is surging, the Commanders are surging. And, you know, you mentioned it earlier. If you're picking an NFC East team to miss the playoffs, my money would be on the Giants. Yeah, I, I this was just everything we were expecting you can't just go on and win 17 14 games every week the giants point differential is minus now they're seven and three 
Their point differential, I believe, is minus two, minus three, something like that. I think that tells you everything you need to know about this Giants team. They were getting by on uh, a little bit of luck and also just phenomenal coaching from Brian Dable, and he put them in the right position to win every time. He made the right decisions in, in crunch time every time. This team's not good enough to assume you're going to at least get to crunch time. There's going to be games where they just lose and it's not close because they don't have enough talent on the roster and their quarterback's not good enough. This was a true Daniel Jones performance uh, in this game. I don't even have the stats in front of me, but the, I do know that he went, he did lead a drive down the field that meant nothing to kill my under. It was 31 to 12. I had the under that ends 31 to 18. I know that they scored a touchdown at the end there and he added, he added a bunch of stats on that drive. But before that drive, he was dreadful, and he was turning the ball over. He was old Danny Dimes in the, for a lot of this game. And credit to Detroit. Detroit's defense, after being the worst defense in football for a very long time, ever since that Green Bay game, I'm pretty sure. I think it's been four or five games now. Detroit's defense has really, really shored itself up, and they're giving up uh, you know, much less yards, much less points. They're better against the pass. They're better against the run. Dan Campbell gave Aaron, Aaron Glenn, their D.C., a vote of confidence right as right before that Green Bay game and right as their struggles kind of came to a head. Seems like since that happened, the team really stepped up and Aaron Glenn has really stepped up. That defense has really taken a step to the point where I actually like the Bills team total under 33 and a half tomorrow on Thanksgiving. That's a lot of points, um, especially if the Bills are going to do the whole take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands and have and let's run the ball a lot. Again, that's for tomorrow. That's for Thanksgiving. That's a gambling preview pick right there. Uh, but Detroit's defense has really impressed me, and they really impressed me in this game. Um, they they, they kind of cracked down on big plays, especially when the Giants were nearing midfield. Um, it seemed like they, they dialed up the intensity a lot. And you mentioned Hutchinson. I kind of had – we talked earlier on in the year, I'm pretty sure, about how disappointing he had been. It might have even been when he got that first pick. This game, he was everywhere. He was everywhere in this game, not just a pick, not just a fumble. I, I felt like he was in the backfield a lot. I don't know if he got credited for a lot of pressures or sacks or whatever the case may be. But just from an eye test perspective, I watched this whole game. Um, I, I thought Aiden Hutchinson was really, really impressive. I thought this defense in general was, was really, really impressive. I'm starting to, to think that I buried the Lions uh, a little bit early. They might have an outside shot to sneak into the playoffs in the NFC. <sighs> that, that pains me. I wouldn't hear. bet on it. I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah. But they got a shot. Yeah. They have a shot. I don't think they will. I, I really don't think they will. I'm more concerned about them getting to like eight and nine and ruining my my best bet on the NFL preseason, which was under seven wins. Um, so at this point, I guess I need uh, what do I need? Three and four at, at the at the worst to to push that bet uh, to get them to seven and ten. That's what I'm rooting for. Uh, I'm rooting for the Lions to go two and five, one and six, or zero and seven the rest of the way. Hopefully, this is all a mirage. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go to uh, Las Vegas at Denver. Las Vegas wins in overtime, 22 to 16. Do we 16. have to? <laughs> no, no, we don't. <laughs> Neither of these teams matter. Uh, we'll say, though, uh, Devontae Adams, he has 94 yards and a touchdown in the first half, almost nothing in the second half. <laughs> then in overtime, he burns Patrick Sertan for the game-winning touchdown. It was the third deep reception allowed by Sertan in his career, and it cost the Broncos this game. Uh, they never would have gotten there without Carr engineering a game-tying drive down three with 127 left to play. Uh, he's got to tip the hat, though. Give Russell Wilson the assist for throwing the ball away on third and 10, saving the Raiders 35 seconds. I mean, even Taylor Heineke got that right on Monday Night Football last week. 
and managed to draw roughing the passer on it. But he just went down. Don't throw the ball away there and stop the clock. Uh, Max Crosby had a good game. Two sacks, two tackles for loss, three QB hits, six tackles, a forced fumble, and a blocked field goal for Max Crosby. So he had himself a game as the Raiders win one in overtime. And that's all we got to say about it. We can move on if you want. Next. <laughs> it's all like right. that. I don't know if you, you probably don't remember. There was an MTV show called Next. Um, and this was when I, it was probably like 2005. It was a dating show. And they had a bus where you probably had like five or six contestants that were, you know, you got to pick the one at the end of the, at the end of the show. Uh, but they, every episode MTV would have the person, someone would walk off the bus. Like, let's say there's five girls on the bus and there's a guy off the bus. They would have someone walk off the bus and the guy would immediately, before she said a word, be like, next. That's what that makes me think of. That was a, that was a reference for the, for the people out there. See, yeah, I did not ever watch that or hear of it, but we can go next. <laughs> so the next one, we got Dallas at Minnesota. They win 40-3, to just blasted the Vikings. Uh, Tony Pollard, 15 carries for 80 yards, six receptions for 109 yards and two touchdowns. Dallas scored on their first nine, or excuse me, Dallas scored on their first seven possessions in this game. Micah Parsons had a great game, and there were some strange coaching decisions there. He has four tackles, two sacks, a forced fumble, and five QB hits. Then he injured his knee in the third quarter, up 34. Like, should he have even been in at that point? Probably not. But not only was he in and did he get injured, but he came back into the game. A game that the Cowboys won by 37, playing on an injury. That's just gross mismanagement of your football team. But it didn't cost them. I mean, he didn't get injured again. Um, Kirk Cousins was sacked six times in his first 23 dropbacks in this game. And the hilarious stat from this game, you mentioned it about the Giants, but the Vikings are now 8-2 and two with a negative two-point differential. Like, eventually, they were always going to eventually run out of luck in all these one-possession games and... They didn't even get to a one-possession game here. Dallas just blew the doors off of them. Yeah, no, I I think I might have actually been referencing that Vikings stat with the Giants, so I might have had the wrong number. So that's what I was trying to I was trying to check. Yeah, Giants are plus one. The Giants okay. are plus one. The Vikings are minus. That's two. much I, better. I got those fl- got those flipped in my head. Um, but yeah, this is. I mean, I, I'm gonna whisper. I'm gonna get close to the camera. I'm gonna whisper. No one. No one has to hear this. The Dallas Cowboys are for real. Like the Dallas Cowboys are a Super Bowl contender. Um, every bit of the Eagles. Like, the Cowboys are a top four team in the NFL, uh, top five at worst. And uh, they they have it on both sides of the ball. If Dak's going to play like he has the last couple of weeks, if Ceedee Lamb's going to look like a top five receiver in football, if they're going to have a two headed monster of Zeke and Pollard, if that O line looks like it looked about five years ago. The defense, we all know. We all know how good the defense is. We know how good Parsons is. Diggs has really taken steps this year. I know Trevon Diggs was kind of a little bit of a punchline last year, even though he had so many interceptions. He gave up so many yards. This year, less interceptions, less highlight plays. He's been much, much better as a corner in that scheme. He's really improved. Uh, so Dallas's defense is, is downright scary. It's terrifying. And games like this, you know, you have to take them seriously. And you have to take the Vikings anything but seriously. Kirk Cousins looked like the sat god that we know he is. Um, this it reminded me of last year. I remember every week on the pod where to the point where I had to, like, stop myself. Last year on the pod, Kirk Cousins was giving himself up, like, three seconds into a play if there was a guy three feet ahead of them. I remember we talked about it, like, every week. 
and it felt like more of the same in this game. Kirk Cousins, I've never seen a quarterback kind of concede the sack earlier uh, than Kirk Cousins. Like, it's before he's even getting touched. Like, other quarterbacks try to wiggle out of a sack and get out of the pocket. Kirk Cousins is like, I'm going to turtle. That's what he does, and we saw it a lot in this game. So, um, yeah, Minnesota, you know, it was nice while you were a story and all. It was nice knowing you. But I'm pretty sure you're going to win the division and lose in the first round at this point. Yeah, I agree with that. And I I don't know how I would stack up the NFC teams right now. I think Dallas makes a strong consideration to be named the best team in the NFC right now. Um, You think about their losses to the Eagles with a backup quarterback in week one. Is that the only two losses? They've only got two, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so – no, they, the have offense, they have three. They lost to the Packers. They lost to the Packers. Oh, that's right. That's right. The offense looked shaky when Dak first came back, but they've looked really good. So the question was never about the defense. If the offense can continue to look good, they make a strong case to be considered the best team in the NFC. But we got to see how it plays out over a few more weeks. I'm not going to whiplash to one game, but they're a scary team, as are uh, the 49ers, who we'll get to in a minute. But uh, you're bringing up some good memories here for – Dibes on you he chiming in on YouTube says he was actually watching old school MTV movie award parodies this morning. So Mark's bringing it with the old school references that old guys like Dibes they get. So Oh yeah. I, I'm making the the dad references now. <laughs> All right. Uh moving on, we got three games left. Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. Cincinnati wins thirty seven to thirty. Man, Joe Burrow must hate facing TJ Watt who intercepted him for the second time this season and one of the craziest interceptions I've ever seen. Uh, he is engaged with Lyle Collins, and he gets his hands up to bat down a pass, and he just catches it. Uh, just incredible. Uh, I, I don't know if you want to call that luck, skill, athleticism, whatever, but incredible interception uh, by TJ Watt. The Steelers were up in this one 20-17 at half, but Burrow bounced back. He ends the day with four touchdown passes. Uh, ironically, he attempted three passes behind the line of scrimmage on Sunday, and all three were touchdowns to Samaj P. Ryan, their backup running back from Oklahoma. Uh, Cincinnati picks up their first division win of the season, which sounds like a made-up stat, but it's not, uh, and they get to 6-4. and four. Yeah, this was one of those games where you walk out of it, at least I do, saying, man, since he's a contender, like since he can do – kind of since he can win a game a lot of different ways uh and they show that in this game pittsburgh i thought pickett looked fantastic in the first half of this game this was by far the most promising moment for kenny pickett that we've had uh with him starting for pittsburgh didn't look so good in the second half it seems like since he really made adjustments their defense did a really good job stopping pittsburgh and honestly this was really a 37 23 game pittsburgh scored at the end to to make it a 37 30 game and to i believe cover the spread maybe uh but they really shut down Pittsburgh's offense in the second half, three three points for most of the second half. Uh, and that's kind of the story of the game is since, since his defense has been bad in first halves, really good in the second half. And if that continues, if they can continue to kind of adjust at halftime and lock down as long as they stay in games and as long as their offense scores enough for them in the first half of games, it seems like that's a pretty good strategy. It seems like that's kind of what they did last year. So, um, I think Cincy and Miami, I, I, I'm going to put out power rankings this week. So I was messing around with it for my own, for gambling purposes. We can compare them. I, I'd be curious to see how close we are. Um, but right now I think the top five in whatever order you want to put it in is Kansas city, Philadelphia, Dallas, San Fran, and Buffalo. I think that's the top five. 
think Miami and since, and I think those are the five teams that if, you know, those are the five teams that are probably, I'm probably 90% sure one of those teams win the Super Bowl. Outside of that, I think Cincy and Miami are those next two teams that maybe they're not in that top, top tier, but man, they could be, man, they, they could be dangerous. They could make some noise happen. Um, and this was a game where, you know, T Higgins steps up, you do it without Joe Mixon, you do it without Jamar Chase. Um, when they get those guys back, uh, and it's Mixon was just a concussion, um, just a concussion. It's not really a smart way to say it, but it seems like he'll probably be back this week. And Jamar, actually, it seems like he'll probably be back this week as well. Um, so if the Bengals can kind of get everybody back into the offense, back in the swing of things, it seems like they're going to be an absolute terror down the stretch, not just to make the playoffs, but maybe to wrestle this division away from Baltimore. Yeah, I, I would put. I think I would put Miami in that top tier, so make it six, and then I would have Cincinnati uh, at the top of that second tier. But uh, interesting to see how that plays out. I, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty high on Miami at the moment. Look at me disrespecting to a to a Mike McDaniel and and the Dolphins. Yeah. I, I I don't know when you're going to come around, but it's I know. It's, it's pathetic that you continue to disrespect to a. Yeah. So. Okay. For anyone on. who's for anyone who doesn't get the joke, I am a Tua stan. Okay, <laughs> uh, just to, just to get that out there. <laughs> okay, uh, Kansas City at Los Angeles playing the Chargers. They win thirty to twenty-seven. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. He will mm-hmm. continue to be the MVP every season until further notice. Like when he got the ball back with a minute forty-six left down, there was never a doubt in my mind that he would score. Not one. Like it was as sure a thing as could be. Like for the Chargers, you don't want a drain clock in that situation. You want to hurry up and score, so maybe you have time to get the ball back and score again. <laughs> because it's just as sure a thing as there is. Mahomes will drive down and score. Uh, and he does. And Travis Kelsey catches the game-winning touchdown, his third touchdown of the game. Here's an insane stat. Patrick Mahomes is 13-7 and in his career when trailing yeah. at halftime. No other quarterback <laughs> is above 500 in such games. The Chargers, they get Keenan Allen and Mike Williams back. And in just what is a perfect microcosm of their season, Mike Williams is injured on his first target of the game after missing all but the opener with an injury. Uh, Keenan Allen has five catches for 94 yards, but he had a fumble late. Uh, Josh Palmer had eight catches for 106 yards and two touchdowns. He's becoming a little reliable. Um, But at the end of the day, this what I really want to talk about is Brandon Staley and his cowardice Uh, at the end of the half you've got a second and one at the kansas city two yard line and you end up kicking a field goal on fourth and two how are you not trying to score a touchdown there later he punted on fourth and one from their own 34 and you could say it's the 34 like you're basically giving them a touchdown if you if you don't convert on fourth and one as if field position matters to patrick mahomes like he said after the game the defense was playing well it's Patrick freaking Mahomes. He doesn't care how good your defense has been playing. You cannot kick a field goal from the two-yard line. You cannot punt on fourth and one against the Chiefs, and it'll cost you, and it costs the Chargers in this one. Uh, I mean, just a couple of Mahomes stats to throw at you here. Mahomes is now 24-3 and in his career against the AFC West. He's 14-0 and against the AFC West on the road, and he has now won 25 straight games in the months of November and December. He's the best athlete alive today in any sport. Patrick Mahomes is, uh, it's unworldly the things he's able to do. And then, you know, to give some credit to Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey 
is in first place among fantasy tight ends, obviously. He's scoring eight points per game more than number two. Just for an idea of how dominant Travis Kelsey is at the tight end position, and just like I said, Patrick Mahomes the best athlete alive, Travis Kelsey is the best tight end of all time. Uh, I mean, the production that he's that he's laying out there is just absolutely unbelievable. I don't have much to say about this game. I actually would put putting aside all the Kansas City stuff because obviously they're the best team in football. Mahomes the best player in football. All of that kind of goes without saying. I'm impressed that the Chargers hung around in this game. I'm impressed that even with their hospital squad, the Chargers were able to make enough plays to happen to go up in this game after the two-minute warning. I, I think that's impressive, and I think that that should kind of kind of be given credit for. I think the Chargers might get back on track here if they're able to get at all healthy. Every game between Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes has been a one-score game in the entirety of their <laughs> career. And so just going to be a lot of fun to watch those guys go head-to-head and uh, over the next decade or more. Yeah, and did the Chargers win any of those games? I'm actually yeah. curious. Yeah, I think so. I think they've. I think they beat. Didn't they beat the Chiefs last year? I thought that they might have one time. I know that they lost the other game. Uh, they might. Have, they may have won one um, last year. It, it, I think that Mahomes has probably gotten the other ones. But yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. And how funny is it that that division's got one team over 500 after we all thought they'd be the NFC East with yeah, four they, teams making the playoffs. They beat the Chiefs 30 to 24 in Week Three last year, and then they lost mm-hmm. in overtime in Week 15. Yeah, yeah. No, there's gonna, especially when Herbert gets his players back and has like his full team around him. Hopefully, if that ever happens, if the Chargers ever break their curse, um, Chargers Chiefs is gonna be really fun for a really long time. I have to run. Uh, I'm gonna run out of here on my last uh, thoughts here. Well, it's Monday Night Football with San Fran, Arizona. Yes, Jimmy G. Jimmy G is going to look great in a Jets uniform next year. Um, so that's that's all I have to say about that game. San Fran Super Bowl contender. But uh, real quick plugs: you can follow me at Mark Henry Jr. underscore on Twitter. You can check out my radio show on Fox PHL Gambler every Saturday from eleven to one. And, uh, and on the Painted Lines, we're actually streaming it on the Painted Lines as well. So I don't know why I didn't plug that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jets. Jets would win the AFC uh, East if they had Jimmy G this year. If they would have traded for him in the off season. They would. They absolutely would. All right. Thanks for joining, Mark. Uh, you can catch Mark and I live next Tuesday night. We should be back on a normal schedule then. For here, I'll take it the rest of the way uh, and get you guys uh, through these. Monday night, uh, the 49ers uh, at – well, it wasn't at Arizona. It was in Mexico City. Uh, the 49ers win 38-10. to 10. This was a rematch of the first-ever game played outside of the United States – uh, which was also in Mexico City in 2005, where the Cardinals beat the 49ers 31-14. This time, the 49ers win in blowout fashion. The 49ers have won five of their last seven games, and now they're tied with Seattle on top of the division. This game was tight in the first half. Uh, it was 17-10 to at halftime, but early in the third quarter, Debo Samuel takes a pitch 39 yards for a touchdown, and that broke the floodgates open, uh, broke the game open. The Cardinals played their second straight game without Kyler Murray, who's been battling in war zone. Wait, I mean, he's been battling a hamstring injury, and it's going to be hard to win a game like that. I know San Fran's playing a backup quarterback, but their backup quarterback is Jimmy G, who has been to Super Bowls. Like He's he's a competent starting quarterback, and he was effective. 20-29 for 228 yards. He had four touchdowns versus no sacks. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was involved, seven carries for 39 yards, seven receptions for 67 yards. And then George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk each had two touchdowns. Brandon Ayuk saving me in fantasy. He had two catches 
for 20 yards and two touchdowns. So uh, that was that's the Monday night game. The 49ers win. They are certainly one of those teams that's in the top tier of the NFC now, although their record does not indicate it. Their defense is incredible uh, and the offense is coming into its own. So now we're going to flip the script and we're going to end on the Eagles game. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm going to briefly touch on the Eagles game. Uh, you can check out on my YouTube channel the Birds of the Roundtable episode where Dibes and I break this down in depth. You can check out the EPA podcast that will come out later today on the Bleeding Green Nation feed where Victor Williams and I go in-depth onto that game and previewing the upcoming game. But for now, for the sake of completion, I'll cover this one. The Eagles win 17-16 to over the Colts. It was a sloppy game, but it is a win. Uh, the Eagles offense struggled for the second game in a row. They fumbled two times. Uh, they only had three drives with more than two first downs, and the running or the, the defense had to keep the Eagles into this game uh, until they finally got going later. Uh, on the defensive side, the run defense was really good after the first drive. In the first drive, uh, Jonathan Taylor had 49 yards rushing as the offense just marched the ball down the field, and it looked like the same old, same old. Uh, Jonathan Gannon just inserted Linval Joseph and Indomitian Sue into the lineup and tried to play the same style of defense, and it didn't work. After the first drive, he made some adjustments. He started run blitzing. He started doing some different things, and uh, Jonathan Taylor had 15 more carries for 35 yards, 2.3 yards per carry for the rest of that game. The defense played really well. They allowed 20 yards per drive after the opening drive. They only surrendered nine points, six of which came on short fields after offensive turnovers, a strip sack of Jalen Hurts and a fumble by A.J. Brown. So the Eagles are faltering a little bit over the last couple of weeks. It started on Thursday night football where they had a rough first half against the Texans. Then off of a long week, they lose to the Commanders. And then off of a short week, they squeak by the Indianapolis Colts. Um, they're still 9-1. They have a two-game lead in the division by virtue of being one game up on the Vikings with the tiebreaker, uh, but they're going to have to iron out some of the problems. Dallas Goddard being injured certainly impacted this offense. Uh, I thought Jalen Hurts played a pretty good game. I'll have a film review piece coming out later today about his game. I thought he played good. Originally, I thought he looked a little skittish in the pocket, uh, but in fact, on the All-22, there's just a lot of times nobody was open, which is a problem uh, if your receivers aren't going to be able to separate against man coverage. So that's something to watch out for. Dallas Goddard just makes a huge impact on this offense. Uh, one key stat here I'll leave you that I think is incredible from the Eagles game before we wrap it up is Jalen Hurts is now third in QB rushing touchdowns in his first three seasons at 21 rushing touchdowns. Uh, he trails Josh Allen, who has 25 and Cam Newton, who had 28 with seven games to go. And so if he has one rushing touchdown per game over the next seven games, he would tie Cam Newton's record. But he would do so in 36 starts, whereas Cam Newton had 48. So if you were ever wondering where Jalen Hurts ranks among running quarterbacks, he is up at the very top of the list. Uh, he's such a threat, specifically in the red zone with his legs. And you saw that in this game where the running game couldn't get going. The passing offense was hit or miss. Jalen Hurts was able to bail out the Eagles time and time again with his legs moving the football. That's going to about do it here for episode number 81 of Chalk Talk. Uh, if you enjoy what you heard on the show, and we know that you do, be sure you smash that subscribe button. Turn on notifications so you don't miss the next episode. Drop us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps us get the feed out there. 
Uh, you can follow Mark at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. I'm on Twitter at half and half underscore TPL. I'm on YouTube at Shane Half NFL, where I've got four all 22 pieces up for this week, and I'll have a fifth one coming out later today. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed this abbreviated, strange episode. We are finally going to get under the hour mark. All it took was Thanksgiving week and extenuating circumstances. But I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Happy Thanksgiving to those of you that celebrate. And we'll be back next week on Tuesday night to break down all of the Week 12 NFL action. So for me, for Mark, and from the Painted Lines, we'll see you guys next time. (laughs) 